Honest 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. First week of games is in the books as the Nationals' regular season is underway. Welcome into the Masson All Access Podcast. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings coming at you from the Masson Web Studio. Thank you so much for making us a part of your uh, Friday lunch break, hopefully. Yeah. Right before the weekend. I know it's been a while since we last chatted uh, on Nationals opening day last week. Um, Now coming at you on a Friday afternoon, but we thank you so much for making us a part of your day. Hopefully you're watching us live on the Masson Nationals Facebook page or on YouTube, or maybe you're catching us after the fact, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you get podcasts, you can find the Masson All Access Podcast. Amy, good to see you in person again after we chatted via Zoom last week from uh, Nats Park um, mm-hmm. on the show. How was your weekend? It was pretty good, but you had a more special week, Bobby. I did? You're a whole year older now. Oh, yeah, my birthday. From the last time we talked. <laughs> I, was like, oh, I, was yeah. like, I was thinking all baseball. Yes, yes. My <laughs> birthday was yesterday, uh, and I turned 30 years old, the big 3-0. I'm thriving as a 30-year-old. Yeah. You were surprised when I told you that. Yeah, I said, what? Yeah. Um, I, think it's, I guess that's a good thing. Um, yeah, it's a, that's a big birthday. Yeah. I think that's a... Um, um, I'm like now getting like nervous that all the tension's yeah. on me. Oh uh, yeah, I guess 30 <laughs> is a big day. No longer in the 20s. Um, and uh, big 3-0. Let's uh, let's see how this turns out. I think it's gonna be okay. Yeah. Also a good start. Not as bad as everyone says. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. You're getting married this year. I'm getting married this year. So, so it has to be good. So I'm like now full on adulting, right? So I'm 30 mm-hmm. years old, getting married, writing for the site. Right. It's like a whole other like now we're just a whole other person right now. Look at Bobby. Um, yeah. He grew up so oh, fast. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we actually had a um, a retirement going away party for our coworker, Pete Kurtzel, the other night um, as he is retiring after, I think it's 11 or 12 years with MassInSports.com. He started the year before I started uh, as an intern here at Masson. So, yeah, we were kind of just looking back at how crazy it's been that, you know, we've been here for so long and now we're where everything stands we have a new website we have a new app you know we and i do podcasts on a weekly basis we have new microphones backdrop everything so so masson is a whole lot different right now from when i was started as a 20 year old and now 30. that's crazy yeah you've been here for a whole decade yeah did I it go fast like does it feel like it went quickly or yeah yeah i mean i think the 2020 season and 2021 season made it slow down a little bit those were obviously tough years for everybody Mm -hmm. it was just so much was uncertain um but now we're getting finally back to normal this season has already felt like going pretty fast i can't believe like you know even after the delayed start we're already a week into the season usually around my birthday it's like we're almost couple weeks in so now we're only one weekend so it's not but it went by fast you know nationals have already played eight games that's crazy um and you know they're rolling they don't have a break until the end of the month too so they've got like i think 11 more straight so I, it, we're gonna keep rolling along and, and so i think that's helping it feel fast but yeah it is kind of crazy starting as and i started in this very room as like a csr 10 years ago and then worked my way over the digital side the editorial side back to the digital side started this podcast I want to say it was 2016 I started with Byron Kerr, and then, uh, yeah, here we are. Now you and me on the Mass and All Access podcast. We've come so far. Trivia. <laughs> here's, a, here's a podcast trivia for you. I don't know if you know. Do you know what this podcast was called before we switched it over to the Mass and All Access podcast? Not a clue, Bobby. You didn't know? No. District 34 with me and Byron oh. Kerr. 34 alluding to uh, Bryce Harper's old number. Well, we need to go back and... 
they're still up those there. Episodes. They're Listen. still up there. If you go to, through the SoundCloud page or you scroll all the way through Apple Podcasts, wherever, they should still be there. We should have like a 10-year anniversary celebration. That would be interesting. And Do a throwback podcast a throwback or something. Pod, yeah, and see, yeah. Like, you know, we're probably talking about how great Max Scherzer is and, you know, will Bryce Harper stay as a mm-hmm. national, you know, Dusty Baker, should he have stayed longer than, you know, that's probably the stuff that we were talking about on the pod. Yeah. That's now six years ago at that point. So, yeah, it's been a great decade. We've got a lot of more exciting things coming this season, of course, across all platforms. So be sure to download that new Masson app. Check out the new website, MassonSports.com. Of course, subscribe to the podcast, all those good things. Um, and I hope you're enjoying, obviously, Bob, Kevin, and Dan on the on the broadcast because, um, you know, the Nationals coming home next week. You know, they'll obviously be at the ballpark, too. So a lot of great things coming at you on the National side here at Masson and Masson All Access. So we're excited to bring it to you. Um, let's talk baseball. We have real games now. Like I said, we got rolling. You know, I mean, it, it took a while, right? We had a 99-day lockout. We had a season delayed back a week. We had opening day start time pushed back from four to seven. Then we had a rain delay. <laughs> In true national. And fashion. then finally, we had baseball <laughs> last Thursday night um, as the Nationals played the Mets. The Friday night was a whole other thing. It was a light delay. It was a brawl, not a brawl, but a misunderstanding <laughs> on the field. There was another rain delay. It was a long start to the season. I'm glad that we've kind of moved yeah, away from the bad series, weather. Like... Yeah, it was. <laughs> A lot of action. I mean, what more could you want? You know? Yeah. Waited so long for baseball. Now it's back. Couldn't you feel like you just like you can't get enough this first week? Like all the time you're just trying to watch a game, even at like teams that you're not particularly interested in. Right. And that's that's kind of what we were saying in the press box. Like we were like, oh, of course it's a rain delay. But it's like, well, at least we're here. We're sitting. You're sitting at a ballpark. Like it could be a lot worse. The game will start eventually. And we've seen worse. Right. There was. We just got to have a lockout, so uh-huh. it could have been worse. And we're here now. Games are being played. Uh, we want to talk about what we've seen so far over this first week from the Nationals, the good and the bad. What are they doing well? Where, where can they improve on some stuff? What has surprised us so far? We've got – it's again, uh, this is the caveat for the entire conversation, right? It's a small sample size. So, you know, yes, we have numbers to go off of and, and discuss, but, like, it can't be the end-all, be-all for this season, of course. You can't do that in eight games out of 162, but – you know, we do have numbers to go over and mm-hmm. we have performances to evaluate. So we want to get that rolling. Um, just quick gut reactions aside from the delays. Amy, any just overarching thoughts on the first week from the Nationals? How, I mean, how they've played? I think my biggest takeaway was the bullpen really surprised me. And well, what we're calling the A bullpen now, I mm-hmm. think is what it's labeled as, really surprised me. And I think, I mean, this beginning of the season almost feels a lot like the beginning of last season with you know their the bullpen had some good outings are kind of surprising then some not so great Juan Soto kind of off to a little bit of a slower start it kind of feels like a lot like the beginning of last season and what we were talking about at the beginning of last season I think the bullpen is a great point we we could talk about that because yeah it is Mm -hmm. it's a little surprising right it's a little better than I think what we expected um I'm not quite sure. You know, look, Sean Doolittle, of course, a fan favorite, um, a player that will always live in Nationals lore. Um, mm-hmm. Fans were very excited to see him come back this year, um, and it's good to see him go off to a good start. But you, we just didn't know, right, because he had an up-and-down year last year between two teams. He didn't pitch so much once he got over to Seattle, and then he comes in on a one-year deal, and you just kind of think, all right, are they just loading up vets because they don't know what? I mean, like we always talk about during the offseason, they could only get better, right? right? It was a pretty bad bullpen last year. And you're right. 
there's an A side and a B side. When the A side's out there, they've been great. And I think we're going to get into a little bit. For me, and I, I know Mark has talked about this on, on the website, and you know, we've, you've heard it on the, on the broadcast as well. Other writers have pointed out the Nationals, it's not going to be great this year, but it's going to be hard for them to win on a nightly basis unless everything goes according to plan. Mm-hmm. They need all five aspects of the game to perform well. That's hitting, starting pitching, bullpen, and defense. All right, so four aspects. So mm-hmm. think of it as a card. If one wheel gets squeaky and starts to wobble, the whole thing could fall apart pretty quickly. They're not. They're no longer the teams of 2019, eight, maybe not 18, but like 17, 16, where if one kind of faltered, they were good enough to pick it up and still win. That's what they good. You look at the Dodgers right now, the Yankees, Reds, like the you know, Rays. Those are the good teams right now that you know if they don't have one full aspect of the night, they're still good enough to pull out a victory. I think it's gonna be hard for the Nationals, and we've seen that in their three and five starts so far. Those three wins, everything went according to plan. They got good mm-hmm. starting pitching. That a bullpen was dominant. They got enough offense, not just living and dying by the home run, but producing runs. Um, and they played solid defense behind their pitchers. And they pull out wins. But we saw what happened Tuesday night in Atlanta. We saw what happened last night in Pittsburgh. It's just if one thing doesn't go according to plan, the whole thing kind of falls apart. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you look back at Wednesdays when Doolittle had a one, two, three, seventh, and then Cizek only needed six pitches to get through the eighth, and then Rainey got the save and, and closed that game out. You saw a perfect, um, I guess, what am I trying to say? Like um, cohesion, yeah, teamwork. Cohesion and you can even add Kyle uh, Finnegan. I think before yeah. for before Duke got in. Yep. Yeah. And so you saw that work. The offense was there in that game, and everything came together. You had your starter go deep into the game, yep. um, and that's going to be key. But then you have nights like yesterday where your starter gets absolutely lit up. The bullpen walks a ton of guys. I think all the pitchers combined for eight walks yesterday. Um, and then I think all eight hits that they had were all singles. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, you have to get extra base hits to win games, um, especially when you're playing some of these teams in the end. East, uh, not last night, but obviously the first two series. So, and you could just see like Davey was frustrated, specifically yeah. in his bullpen. I mean, he used the word frustrated, um, and it, it came down to those walks and walking guys. So, there's days where it's been all together, and there's days where it's been kind of a train wreck, and um, that might just be kind of the ups and downs of the Nationals to start the season. Between Tanner Rainey, Sean Doolittle, Steve Shishek, and where's Kyle Finnegan? Um, I think Finnegan has given up just one run. Yeah, so just one run. There's only one run allowed um, mm-hmm. between those four relievers. That's your A side of the bullpen, and that's been fantastic. The other guys have really struggled, and, and more appearances too, which is unfortunate because that means the Nationals have lost more than they've won. But like guys like Victor Arano, Andres Machado, Patrick Murphy, Hunter Harvey, Paulo Spino, Austin Voth, and then Mason Thompson, who's on the IL. Um, when those guys are in there, Things haven't gone so well, but when the first four guys come in, they've gotten the job done, and it's it's worked out for victories. Mm-hmm. That A bullpen, you can call it, and their three wins so far, 11 and two-thirds innings they've had to pitch, and they've only given up two runs yeah. in those outings. So, I mean, there you have it. They are doing their job, which is really good to see. I mean, that's kind of what you wanted to see. And going back to Sean Doolittle, I mean, he really looks like – he looks like at the beginning of 2019. Mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't seen this Sean Doolittle since 2019. Um, obviously, you're hoping he can sustain that. You hope he doesn't get hurt. Um, I think most of his injuries in 2019 were from overusage, and you hope it doesn't come down to that um, this year. But he's looking good, and I think Davey Martinez has to be happy with these additions, both him and Steve Ciszek, um, bringing those guys in and them, you know, 
putting out valuable innings for yeah getting innings for for uh, for Davey and, and for Dew his velocity's back that's what mm-hmm. really was not there back in 2020 I think that kind of hampered him last year but he's back to that mid 90s velocity with his fastball and look the secret is out on Sean Doolittle right he's a high fastball thrower that's his bread and butter um he doesn't really throw his off speed so much um and pitchers know where it's coming. I think what's also helping him along with that velocity being back is that he's locating it better too. We see him have left the ball over the plate a lot when he was kind of struggling in 2020 and then last year with the Reds and the Mariners. I think there was a sequence in Atlanta, I think it was Wednesday's afternoon game, and he also retired the side, I think, on six pitches just like um, Shishek mm-hmm. did. So it was a quick outing. He, and those guys being efficient is super helpful. But for Sean, it was his sequencing. I think it was against Adam Duvall. And he went like curve, curve, and then fastball, not high, but low and away. And Duval was uh, clearly <laughs> waiting for something else and just watched it go by. And then right. Sean was out of the inning. So I think that is a great sign that Sean is back to being the 2019 version, early 2019 version slash postseason version that we saw um, and not the kind of injured um, low velocity pitcher that we saw from a couple years ago. Right. And so far it's worked. All of these guys, you know, being open to having interchangeable roles. And that's just going to how, how it's going to have to be here to start the season until they kind of defined uh, their individual roles and who's going to be the closer. Will they have a set closer? And there's such an emphasis and importance on the bullpen right now because not only are the starters not going deep into games, which is, I mean, understandable because of the shortened spring training and they're not trying to push these guys. You don't want injuries. So, yeah, they're not going to go as deep into games. Um but it's a combination between that and not having an off day until April 25th. Yeah. I mean, they, these, they're going to have to rely on this bullpen a lot. So the A bullpen, you have to be happy with. Yeah, so kind of moving over to the starting side then because we've seen a little bit of both, just like the bullpen with the starters too. We've seen some pretty good and we've seen some pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Johan Adan last night mm-hmm. kind of got rocked by the Pirates. Uh but the day before that, Josiah Gray was fantastic against the Braves, which he's, for whatever reason, he's pretty good against that lineup. Um, Patrick Corbin was okay opening night. You know, like you said, shorter spring training. He got through four pretty cleanly. I think the fifth, the fifth is when he got beaten up a little bit by the Mets. And then just a disaster um, in that blowout loss on Tuesday night in Atlanta, um, giving up a bunch of runs. He was kind of hampered by some bad defense behind him. Uh, Victor Robles let a ball go all the way to the wall mm-hmm. on, a, on a routine grounder to center field. Um, but, you know, it's just there's no movement to his stuff at all. And his slider is not there. He's fastball slider guy. And there's it was he was just throwing batting practice to, to the Braves that night. And so there's good and bad, just like the bullpen, <laughs> right? I mean, but so it's like, you know, it's you as if you're Davey Martinez, you're kind of half to planning at what point you can't really trust – guys like Adon and Corbin to go deep into a game. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you can trust Josiah Gray, but even then he's still so young that and raw that you can't really count on it every single time. You know, he doesn't and you know, obviously Strasburg's not here. So can Corbin get you deeper? Can Adon turn it around? Does he get even another shot actually um, in this rotation? I think he has to because of the injuries to this rotation so far. Um, but it's been a mixed bag for the starting rotation too. And then, you know, I, you can look at it pretty much every single win, good starting pitching. Every single loss, bad starting pitching. Mm-hmm. And I think 
I mean, I don't know about you, but I was surprised when Yohan Adan made this starting rotation to start the season. Um, and obviously that showed that the Nationals have a lot of faith in his stuff. And you can see that the stuff is there. I think it just comes down to throwing his breaking balls for strikes. Um, and when he doesn't, hitters are jumping on his fastball, and that's where he gets into trouble. And it seems like in both his outings, it's come down to one bad inning. I think um, it was in the third yesterday, and the, the outing before was in the fifth, and it's just going to be eliminating that big amount of damage in that one inning. And that comes with being a young, fresh pitcher. And I, I between the, the combination of injuries and him being young, and you don't want to completely ruin his you know ego by pulling him yet you know you can't really demote him yet you have to give him another shot i would imagine yeah and then you kind of kind of you can kind of tie that back to patrick corbin start the night uh tuesday night too Mm -hmm. because you know it's davy had to let him wear it i mean because you try to protect that bullpen game was kind of out of reach at that point i know the nationals jumped up to a three nothing lead in a dawn start and then lost it pretty quickly (laughs) but for that night against uh the braves for for corbin you kind of just have to. I mean, you, you need innings from your starter. I mean, I know his pitch count was getting super high, but and I think in Davy's mind, I need to get him at least to get four. I don't even know who he got four, but I need him to go as far as possible because this game's a lost cause, and I can't use too many bullpen arms because <laughs> we have a noon game the following day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's hurtful too. Um, Yoan Adan, uh, he's has an ERA of ten right now in two starts, uh, thirteen hits, ten runs over nine innings, three home runs allowed. Seven walks to just eight strikeouts. Uh, and, yeah, go back to your point about you're surprised that he made the roster. And you see this, these two performances by Adon, and then you see what Josh Rogers did on Monday, and you're kind of thinking, it's like, how did Rogers right. not make the roster over Adon? Maybe he needed to be stretched out a little bit more, whatever it was. But Josh Rogers, we have enough sample size where we can say, okay, this guy can fit in this rotation for right now. Adon hasn't pitched like too many too many times over single a last year before his major league debut yes he had a great spring but how many of those outings mm-hmm. were against major league lineups and now we're seeing what kind of happens when he faces right i mean lineup. some of those mistakes that he was getting away with before he's not going to get away with major league hitters right. i mean they're, they're not swinging at those balls that that are out of the zone and then yeah going to rogers outing he had the longest outing of any of these starters he went five and a third um and only allowed one run on two hits and two walks three strikeouts 74 pitches so that was a super solid outing from josh rogers and shows that maybe Maybe, I mean, it's just one outing, so it's so hard to tell, but shows that maybe his starts at the end of last year weren't a fluke after all. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, it brings up back the questions. Like, I wonder why they went up with him, this him at AAA over a Don. And look, also, this rotation right now is not, it's going to, I think it's going to be this way for a while. Anibal's out. He's going to have mm-hmm. to revamp back up once he gets back healthy. Strasburg is far away, at least a month away still. So, this is the rotation right now. I mean, you hope no one else gets hurt, but, you know, obviously Patrick Corbin's not going anywhere. I don't think they're going to send down a – I mean, maybe it's in question mark, but I don't know who you bring up. Maybe Cavalli gets ready, but he hasn't been great at AAA to start. I mean, he's been good, but, like, not right. great yet. Um, and then you have Fetty, too, kind of doing Eric Fetty things, you know. <laughs> he's either going <laughs> to give up a lot or he's going to kind of keep you in the game and give you yourself a chance, which happened on Sunday uh, against the Mets. So – it's it's a like I said a mixed bag a lot of not nah, I shouldn't say a lot some pretty good but some pretty bad too and on any given night you know Davey has to be ready to use some of those bullpen arms 
that he might not trust so much because a starter can't get that deep into the game. You hope they do, but you can't rely on it just yet. And maybe you can rely on it from Rodgers, though he's only done it once. Maybe Josiah Gray, though he's only done it twice. And really, for the first week, Davey was probably thinking about protecting his starter's arms, too. I mean, making sure yeah, they're completely part of it. stretched out. Um, and this combination between that and not overworking your bullpen and, you know, having to throw arms that you don't necessarily want to or leaving guys in there to wear it longer than you want to. So I imagine it's a little bit – it's kind of like in a tough spot for the first week of the season until these starters are – you know, completely ready to go. Patrick Corbin's next start is scheduled for Sunday against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Let's see how that goes. Um, and depending on how that goes, we might have to have a conversation of what do the Nationals do with Patrick Corbin at this point. If it's another Atlanta-like dud, we might have to have a serious conversation about because I don't know what there is to do, but it's... I don't think there is. There's I not mean, too much to do, but it's going to be have to be a conversation, I think. But if he goes out and pitches well, I mean, I would say, like, Look, I mean, the Pirates are also a rebuilding team. They don't have a great lineup, mm -hmm. but then, you know, they beat up on a rookie last night. So I, I, Patrick Corbin should be able to do pretty well against up this Pirates lineup. The Braves lineup, okay, sure, that's a you know defending World Series champion. That's a team contending for the playoffs again this year. That's a lineup. And, and same with the Mets. You know, that, that's a good lineup that he's faced back-to-back. -back. If he's not close to dominant on Sunday – we might have to have a conversation about what they do. I don't know what you do, but yeah, we can talk like, about it, but it's like... Yeah, like you said, I mean, I think this is how it's going to be for the first few weeks of the season, yeah. because what do you do? Yeah. I mean, there's not a whole lot of options, and you're paying him a lot of money. It's a lot of money. <laughs> and you're also kind of looking at the fact where it's like, it's a lot of... Well, it's in a, obviously a smaller sample size, but what we saw last year from Pat, it's mm -hmm. like a little... There's some good, and then it gets really bad really quickly, right. and then it's more bad than good. Uh, and then it's going to be a little good again, but then it's going to go right back. So it's, it's a, like, I think I said it earlier, it's like a lot of ups and downs with way more downs. Mm -hmm. And the downs are deep downs. Like they're <laughs> like canyons. Way down <laughs> in the valley. And we're just talking about little bumps of good every now and then. So we'll see how it goes on Sunday against Pittsburgh. Um, Josiah Gray will start the first game of the new homestand starting on Monday. That's obviously, I think Josiah Gray has to be must-watch TV for NAS fans. Mm -hmm. and that's the future right there. You obviously want to tune in for how Patrick Corbin does. but um, And then Josh Rogers should get another start uh, this weekend as well. So I think that will be coming up on Saturday. And the good news is we're only one week into the season, so you can't jump right. to too many conclusions. It's such a small sample size at this point. Yeah. But it's just hard when you know what these guys did last year, and it almost feels like a continuation of the same issues. So we will see. Can't jump to any conclusions yet. I don't think it's do or die time, but uh, definitely not the outings you wanted to see from Yana Don, and definitely not from Patrick Corbin, who you, you're really hoping can bounce back. And we're talking about this stretch of, of games. I think I saw somewhere, I'm not sure who put that out, but like the Nationals don't face the Braves until like late July again, or maybe even maybe June. June, yeah. But it's still, it's a while. Um, and, and the upcoming opponents to finish out this month are the series against the Pirates, four against the Diamondbacks at home, three against the Giants, and then three against the Marlins at home after a, after a day off finally. And then you end up, you have a West Coast trip. So only really the Giants in that group are like another good team that you have to face. So there's some good chances for these starting pitchers to face some not so good lineups and kind of get back one. Yeah. Kind of get their feet wet, feel mm -hmm. a little more comfortable, a little more stretched out. Like you said, 
eat up some hopefully eat up some more innings um, and maybe give that A bullpen a rest and they'll be ready to go to lock down some wins mm-hmm. when it gets to. Let's switch over to the offensive side um, because kind of similarly, like they haven't scored too many. I mean, they've won three games. Can't win without scoring runs. Yes, they had that one blowout win on Monday when they rocked. Uh, was it Monday? Yeah, it was Monday when they rocked the the Braves. The Josh Rogers. Yeah, the Josh Rogers start. Then it was close early on, but I think they had one big inning and then it kind of got out of hand. Um, but for the most part, I think you kind of mentioned earlier, like Juan Soto. He's doing Juan Soto things in the sense that he's you know he's walking. He has more walks than strikeouts, but the average isn't quite up there yet. Small sample size. Only two, the two homers leads the team. Well, tied with Josh Bell. Only the two RBIs, too. Uh, how are we assessing the Nationals' offensive? You go, would, would you call it sluggish? I would say it's. I, I would say sluggish. I mean it. And I think we. This I don't know. I just keep. It just feels like the beginning of last season. Juan Soto out to a slow start, not really hitting for the power that we know he's capable of. But then again, two home runs in one week, you can't be too disappointed. Uh, and but, there are moonshots. Right, exactly. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, the guys who are supposed to be hitting for power aren't really yet. And that just might be a matter of having a sluggish start and just getting things going. But Cruz struck out three times yesterday, I believe it was. Soto went over for four I mean those are two guys that are supposed to be big bats in your lineup that are out to a slow start um and you know you you can't really win games without them it's interesting because I feel like in a normal season we're usually talking about pitchers being ahead of batters to start the regular season pitchers obviously start their spring training earlier they you know are their last one or two spring training starts, that's when there's like throwing 90 and 100 pitches per outing, mm-hmm. getting deeper. So they're usually to start the season and also colder weather um, in certain places. So they're usually starting the season a little bit ahead of batters. We thought it would be the opposite this year because of a condensed spring training. Um, starters not getting that many mm-hmm. innings to build up and, and, and maybe not having the arm strength to throw as fast and not have that command that they're used to having and pitchers would take advantage of it. Seems like, the, like you mentioned, the Nationals haven't quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, there have been flashes, right? I mean, but I look at the cross the board uh, so far. They've only scored five or more runs once, and that was that eleven to two win over the Braves on Monday. They've scored one, three, shut out in their third game of the season, four, eleven, four, three, and four again. Mm-hmm. That's, and you're giving up nine, sixteen. Seven five five, so that's not going to win you a lot of games when you're sitting around between like one and one to four. You need to get above that five, and especially for people who want half off pizza the next day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And we talked. I mean, at the end of the second half of last season, they were scoring runs. Yeah, in the games and that, that they the were problem. winning, right, right? They were scoring like five or more runs. Yeah. Um, and you know the offense wasn't a problem, so maybe it is just a matter of of these guys getting going. Um, and there have been. I mean, you like what you've seen out of Caber Ruiz, that's for sure. I mean, he Absolutely. hit a ball, came up just short of a grand slam yesterday. He is hitting the ball hard. You have to like what you've seen. Yadiel has came up big. His bat um, is getting going when Robles and and Lane Thomas is really haven't. So there are definitely flashes, but yesterday all hits were were singles and you have to get extra base hits to 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 score runs and they're gonna have to hit for some power especially your Juan Soto's your Nelson Cruz's 
Josh Bell, you know, so on and so forth. K-Bear Ruiz has been a fantastic revelation to start the season. Oh, yeah. I, here, we talked about surprising on the bullpen. He's surprising me, too, in a very good way in that I – I'd think, I think a lot of people obviously think this, that he's going to be a very good player. People are already saying that he could be the best catcher the Nationals have ever had. Um, but I did not think we would see the complete package like we've seen so, or, so, so soon. soon. Right. Mm-hmm. And at small sample size, he's played six games. He has reached base in all but one of the, his outings. Um, the only one coming on April 10th against the Mets where he did not reach base. He has a hit, not not just reaching base, a hit in all of them. Mm-hmm. Three multi-hit games. Um, and then you look at the catching side, and this was the, pro- like, I would say, like, all right, he'll probably hit pretty well, but maybe his defense wasn't that great. There, yeah. Concerns coming out of camp were his arm strength, and we saw him throw out a couple of runners that for opening weekend. If you're watching that now on Facebook or YouTube, you're seeing him do it against the Mets. Um, he made a great play at the plate. He's made actually a handful of great plays at the plate, catching and tagging runners out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's getting more comfortable calling games. He's done a really good job pitch framing. So we're seeing all the tools for Caber Ruiz on display early on, and I did not think we would see the complete package this soon. I thought we would see it probably later in the season. But seeing just all the tools that he has on display this early is very encouraging and very exciting in my mind because he's going to be a fantastic player for them right that is so exciting and that's what the nationals need i mean we were talking about them signing a veteran catcher so that the young caber ruiz and young riley adams had somebody to guide them along the way but if caber is going to step up put it all together you know on the field and off this early i think i mean that, that is just super exciting that you're getting to see the whole package he's off to a hot start and definitely a, a bright spot in in this offense right now if you wanted to pit nicks he hasn't drawn a walk yet and he only has one rbi rbi is of course you know conditioned on where you're you're hitting in the lineup and, and people or being, a, being but you know the guy who's hitting in front of him is Josh Bell leads the team in RBIs. Right. So it's it's almost like Cabra's <laughs> coming up with no one on base because Josh already cleared them. Cleared them, them yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about Josh Bell right too because he has been on an absolute terror to start the season. Mm-hmm. And this is the Josh Bell the Nationals traded for last offseason, Christmas Eve of 2020, right? Yes. Yeah, Christmas Eve of 2020. Um, this is a Josh Bell. And, and, you know, I don't want to play this game because it's, it's not <laughs> fair. And I... I but just what if? What if the Nationals had gotten this Josh Bell, what she was on pace to do ending spring training last year in 2021 before we hit the COVID list to start the season, and then he just took forever to get rolling, mm-hmm. and then we didn't see the Josh Bell that we thought we were getting in the Nationals uniform until, like, the second half of the season. You just have to – I don't uh, yeah. think one player makes a whole difference, but Josh Bell, we know how bad he was in April and May – and didn't really start hitting until June, but you think you just combine that with what Soto was doing last year, Kyle Schwarber was doing, could the national season have turned out a little bit differently had Josh Bell just not hit the COVID list and continued on his hot spring into the regular season, well, like he's doing this year? Yeah, I'm with you. One player wasn't going to make or right. break that season, but then what if he got going earlier and Juan Soto got going earlier? Because we know he kind of had a slow start. He mm-hmm. wasn't uh, wasn't hitting for a lot of power to start the season, then obviously went on a huge tear after the home run derby. But what if they both got off to a good start? That could have made a big difference. Yeah, you, you never know. It's hard to play the what if game. It's sometimes not fair, but 
I think now because we're seeing it play out right now, this is the Josh Bell. He, he finished spring training strong. Now starting the regular season really strong. Um, he's hitting three ten. He's had he has a hit in every single game. Not just getting on base. Oh no, sorry. Last night was the first uh, night he did not get a hit, but he walked twice. So he's getting on base every single game. Uh, this is the Josh Bell we, we and right. he's tied with the league, uh, the team league in home runs. And that's two. what they need. Whether it's going to be trading him at the deadline or keeping him as a leader on this team, either way, they needed him to get off to a good start. So hopefully he can, you know, keep that up. And I also wanted to touch or go ahead. I was gonna say just to finish up Josh Bell, yep. he's also walking more than he's striking out. Yeah. So he's not striking out a bunch. That's what you like to see. That's what you want to see from your Him and Juan Soto. I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm just touching on Victor Robles. Yeah. I know it's the first week of the season, so I don't want to, you know, whatever. But he sat in three games so far. And I know Davey Martinez is saying, you know, he's playing the matchups. And we're giving ourselves the best chance to score runs and, you know, whatever he may say. But... I don't know. I mean, I think it's telling. I think it is telling. And he's trying to prove himself and they're working on his swing. And I I think it's hard to, he sat three of the first eight games. It's kind of hard to work on your swing and your plate approach when you're sitting. But at the same time, you can totally understand why you're not playing a, a guy who, you know, is an automatic out. So I just don't know what that really says about Victor Robles's future. I don't know. He doesn't have a hit. He has one RBI via a hit by pitch, of course. <laughs> uh, he struck out six times, has not walked once. His on-base percentage is 0.63 because of that hit by pitch. Um, and he's the only one of the quote-unquote regulars to not have a hit. I mean, even Lane Thomas now has has three hits. He's only hitting 136, but three hits in seven games. Uh, and then the only guys who don't have hits are guys like Lucius Fox, Riley Adams, and D. Strange Gordon, who Gordon just went on the IL today with an illness. Riley Adams is the backup catcher, and Lucius Fox is what the is he considered still a rookie backup mm-hmm. infielder who's only played two games. So mm-hmm. that's the company that Victor Robles is keeping. Now his defense has I mean, been good. Yeah, you're seeing it there. Just... I mean that, that's from a couple of years ago, I think. But he's also you know he made that throw, that relay throw. It was a little offline, but still made the throw um, that awesome against the Mets. Yeah, that yeah, relay. All that awesome catch, that same series. Yep, yep. So that's not. It's it's always going to be the bat, and like you just said it. How long can Davey put him out there, even in the nine hole, when he's not producing at the plate? And you hope. And I know they're tweaking a lot of stuff. You just hope. Also on Victor's problem on part, he's not. Hopefully, he's not feeling too much pressure and that might just be tightening him up too much but it's been yeah it's been not great um lane thomas also struggling but he has had a couple hits his last couple of games i mean d strange gordon was in the lineup last night before he got scratched i mean now that kind of opens the door for victor to play a little more we don't know how long d's going to be out but it seemed like yeah you mentioned yadiel too it seemed like victor probably was the last one on that list to get regular at-bats yeah and we were talking about it when we were debating on whether Andrew Stevenson would make the opening day roster and we kind of said whoever were those fourth and fifth outfielders had to be guys that you could eventually rely on Mm. to put in there every day and now you're seeing it with Yadiel Hernandez especially with D Strange Gordon going on the IL um 
those players had to be somebody that you could rely on there to play a lot of games in the outfield. And that's kind of looking like what it's going to be eventually, especially Victor Robles not playing three of the first eight games. So mention quickly that uh, DJ Gordon did go on the IL with an illness, not specified which IL, either 10 or 60 days. So, or it could be COVID list, I guess. Um, but the Nationals recalled Donovan Casey take mm-hmm. his place. One of the three, four players the Nationals got back in the Max Scherzer trade Turner deal with the Dodgers last year. Now the Nationals have three of those players on the big league roster with Josiah Gray, Caber Ruiz, and now Donovan Casey. Not saying, Kay- I mean, he's probably not going to be thrown out there right away. He's there as an emergency backup at this point, so Victor's going to play a lot more, but you, you just have to wonder what if Donovan Casey gets a shot and he starts playing better than Victor. I mean, how long can Victor hold on to this roster spot it's, while not producing? Yeah, it's the and same thing we guys saw. guys right there waiting. It's the same thing we saw with Lane Thomas last year. I mean, he came up, did more than most people expected, I think, and he ended up getting that you know, starting center fielder job at the end of the season when uh, Victor Robles got sent down to AAA. So you never know. I mean, this could be the opportunity uh, for Donovan Casey to shine. Um, so far in AAA, he's hit 250 with two doubles, two triples, one homer, and six RBIs. So he's hitting, you know, not not bad, small sample size so far. But uh, I think we both predicted that he would be probably the first one we would see this year mm-hmm. to get called up, and here we are. And don't forget about Andrew Stevenson at AAA, too, mm-hmm. with the Rochester Red Wings. He's hitting 313 um, in seven games, so... As their leadoff hitter, too. That's kind of surprising they wouldn't call him up first, actually. Well, I think because they would have to select oh, his contract. To, right. And if they wanted to send I mean, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. with D, you don't, you don't know the whole situation. He could be back in a couple of days. And then you can I'll just option Donovan Casey yeah, back that's down. that's true. Yep. For Andrew, you would have to expose him to waivers again. True. Um, all right. So that is the outfield. I mean, I, we haven't really touched on one so dope. Are you concerned about – I mean, he's still like, he getting can. on base. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's – He's hitting two. I it was uh, two forty one. I mean that's gonna improve. His on, his on base percentage is three seventy one. OPS eight twenty. So slugging four forty eight. So it's like you can't really be concerned no, about one. No, I don't Soto, think you can. Think. And, and you can see he's taking his at bats mm-hmm. uh, the way he's it locked in every single time. The help that he had, maybe you're more concerned about Nelson Cruz. How long you know can he start getting going? He's only hitting one seventy nine and just the one home run and three RBIs. Um, but with the way Josh Bell's hitting, and we talked about K-Bear, I mean, he can't be too, too concerned about the top of the lineup yet. Maybe Cesar Hernandez in the leadoff spot, but he's getting on at a 314 clip. So I I, I think we'll, the offense will be okay. It's more the back end right now. Right. Hey, Mark, Michael Franco had a great se- series in Atlanta mm-hmm. too, so that's a bright spot. Yeah, and it's that's kind of what the season is going to be like. You know, there's going to be ups and downs, but pointing out the bright spots, guys making leaps like Caber Ruiz, I think that's just going to be what this season is like. And it's probably tough because, I mean, kind of like going back to Victor Robles, you want to put him out there every day and give him a chance to work on what he's fixing in his swing and so on and so forth. But at the same time, it's Davey Martinez's job to win games. Right. So, he, you know, he, he has to play the matchups and put his team in the best position to win. So it's kind of tough because they're a rebuilding team. You want to give these guys chances to grow. But at the same time, you got to win games. Yeah, you have to win games, and that's what they're there to do. Davey Martinez has always said, we're going to 1-0. He doesn't. He was asked opening day. Doesn't want to talk about rebuild. Mm-hmm. Um, that not. That's not. He said you don't rebuild at the major league level. You try to win games at the major league level. That's what they're going to try to do. 
And yeah, like I agree. I think that's this is this first week could be a very good um, microcosm of what we're going to see the entire season. Mm-hmm. It's going to be probably more downs than ups. We're going to see more losses, but I think it's fair to be a little more encouraged about how the season started than maybe perhaps you were at the start of the season or at the end of spring training because, you know, this team was predicted to finish last. People had them losing close to 100 games, mm-hmm. if not 100 games this season. It's still a long ways to go, right? It's only one week. But the way they've played, and we talked about their formula to win, it has to be all four wheels clicking at the mm-hmm. same time. But if if they can do that a little more than we thought they could, I, I don't think this season is going to be as bad in terms of the win-loss record as we might have thought. It's still a long way to go. Injuries happen. Bad seasons happen. But sometimes mm-hmm. you get a surprising season from somebody as well, too. So... Lots to figure out. There are injuries that you're waiting for guys to come back from already. I, I think there's reason to be a little more encouraged than, you know, perhaps maybe the, the preseason pundits would have led you to believe. Mm-hmm. You just wanted to be competitive. You want to see good games where they're at least in it. Um, and, you know, like when you were previewing the schedule coming up, they're going to face some lineups that they have a good chance mm-hmm. um, to have competitive games against. So that's good. And I think that's exciting for fans. I think that... The Nationals will have – well, we nah, I shouldn't say that because we jinxed them opening weekend against the Mets. <laughs> we thought they would split, and they lost three of four. Um, but like we said, you just mentioned easy – not easy, but, you know. Easier. Easier lineup in the Pirates. You hit the Diamondbacks, you come back home. Hopefully the weather is nicer than it was opening weekend at Nationals Park. It's beautiful right now, so hopefully that holds up. It could be a good homestand. I mean, you play the Giants next weekend. That's a team that's looking to compete again um, after having the best record in baseball last year. So I, I think that's the other thing, too. You know, we talked about this in the, uh, before the regular season. Beat the teams you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Beat the Pirates. Beat the Diamondbacks. Beat the Marlins. Beat the teams that you can beat. Don't worry so much about the results against Mets, Braves, Giants, Dodgers, you know, the, the big boys that are going to be competing exactly. for a title this year. Just and those games look for good performances from your stars and from your young guys. And the games that you can win look for all around cohesive unit uh, uh, from the whole team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I mean, that's they're I, I don't want to say, but in years like this, you're not going to go out and you know you're exactly right. You're not worrying about the you're competing against those best teams. Win the games you're supposed to, um, and you kind of have to be happy about that and the growth that you're seeing with individual players that are going to be here for a while. I think to wrap up and close out, I think we need to uh, touch on the news. You know, we I don't think we can be consider ourselves a full fledged pl- podcast without at least referencing the news that broke. Uh, I covered the Nationals that broke early this week from the Washington Post, that, of course, being the Lerner family, announcing that they are looking to the possibility of bringing on new investors into the Washington Washington Nationals or possibly uh, having a sale for the entire team. Um, Shocking news, I think, for everyone. Uh, Very surprising, especially the timing of it all. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I I first and foremost want to say, you know, as both – an employee at Masson and as a fan of the team, you know, thank you to the learners for everything you've done for this club and um, this baseball in the city of DC. It was kind of surprising, but um, you know, that, that's the way things, things are right now. The world is a, a very changing, ever changing place right now. And you know, the learners are no different. And then, you know, who suffered from the pandemic, whatever. 
Um, and so surprising news, but um, uh, I, I think that uh, they're doing the right thing for both their family and the ball club. Right, and COVID changed a lot of things for a lot of people, um, and I'm sure that's you know a, a big part of this. But they bought the Nationals back in 2006 for 450 million. Um, the team is valued, or you know around $2 billion possibly now. Um, the other MLB owners do would have to vote on whoever the potential buyer is. They meet again in June, I believe, um, and that's probably too soon for them to realistically um, have, a, have a buyer for this team. So it, the next time they meet is in November, so that might be a more realistic timeline, and then again, I think in February. So they do have to vote on it, uh, but of course the learner, learners will have the biggest say in who is buying who will buy this team yeah that's one of the bigger questions right now of course the other one being how will this affect Juan Soto's future with the club it's way too early to be determined that you know do you try to sign him to extension right now in the hopes of possibly adding value to the team or if you're Juan Soto do you not mm -hmm. sign anything until you know who the next owner is a lot of moving parts there we don't want to speculate about what's going to happen right now but um, for future reference you mentioned the value of the team Steve Cohen bought the Mets and back in 2020 for 2.4 billion, so that's around where you'll probably a little between two and 2.4 is probably mm -hmm. where you'll find the Nationals land. I think they're the 12th most valuable franchise in baseball as of now. Um, so, you know, n we don't know what's going to happen. The national, uh, the learners could keep right. ownership and just bring on new investors, or they could sell the whole thing. We've heard Ted Leonsis name being thrown out, you know, the owner of the Capitals and the Wizards and the Mystics and Monumental Sports Entertainment. So. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, I figured we at least referenced that because mm -hmm. that was uh, the kind of the big news of the week in D.C. We want to thank you all so much for tuning into the Mass and All Access podcast on this Friday. Hopefully you're catching us after the fact right now. If you didn't watch us on Facebook or YouTube, you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud, wherever you get podcasts. You can find us, listen to us, hit that subscribe button, leave some comments. We love hearing back from you as we get this season rolling. At Amy Jennings News for Amy on Twitter, I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Shout out to Brendan Mortensen for his help producing the show behind the scenes. We'll be back probably early next week mm -hmm. as the Nationals return home from this long first road trip of the season for a long homestand at Nationals Park to close out the month of April. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hope to see you soon.